Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Hey, good morning, church. You guys look great. So it's 2020. Can you believe it? So am I. I think it's good. I remember when people were freaking out about 2000. Here we are, two decades later. Hey, people get really jazzed about a new year. They set new dreams. They make new exercise plans. They start eating healthy. They come up with words. Does anyone have a word for the year? Show me your hands. Word for the year? Okay, about seven of you. I'm working on mine. Mine's not here. But hey, the reason I wanted to give you the opportunity to get to know each other is because we are a family here, and I think sometimes we can kind of sit in our little chair and just interact with a few people around us, and we don't actually pour into the rest of the people. And so I want us to begin to get to know each other and to connect with each other. So just so you know, that's going to probably become a little more routine, where we let you hang out with the people and get to know each other. So um, I think that's going to be good. But I also wanted to give the parents a chance to be in here because I feel very strongly in my spirit that God has given this church a word for the year. Okay, now possibly more than one, one word, but I know for a fact that he has given us one word and it's going to be very important to this church. And so I didn't want anyone to miss out while they're taking their kiddos back. And um, the thing about this word is that God gave me this word six months ago. During the summer, he gave me this word and I believe that this is the time he's going to begin to fulfill that word, okay? And the word is speak. I believe fully in my spirit that he is going to speak to this church with increase and with consistency, okay? And it's not going to just be to the leadership team. It's not just going to be to those of us that rotate on the teaching and preaching team. It's going to be to you, God is going to begin to open your eyes and your ears and every part of your senses to the very words that he wants to say over your life and over this church. Now, I think some of you probably had the thought cross your mind just now like, oh boy, I am going to go church shopping during this series because this sounds a little bit scary. But the reality is this, God speaking to us is not scary. And if you're feeling kind of this doubt rise up in you, like, oh, crud, it reminds me of the story of Thomas. Maybe you've heard of him. I think we have called him Doubting Thomas because uh, Jesus showed up to the disciples after his resurrection, and he proved to him, to them, that he had been raised from the dead. Well, Thomas wasn't there. And so the disciples come back to Thomas, and they're like, we've seen Jesus. He's alive. And he's like, no, not going to believe it. I'm going to literally stick my fingers into his wounds before I'll believe that he's alive. Now, if I ever have surgery, do not invite Thomas to my recovery room, okay? But I want to read this because I believe that Jesus actually gives extra special attention to those of us that are feeling a little bit of doubt. So just be prepared to get some attention because Jesus showed up and he's like, hey, Tom, I was raised from the dead. It happened. So John 20, starting in 24. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, was not with the others when Jesus came, and they told him, we have seen the Lord. And he replied, I will not believe unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, and I put my fingers into them, and I place my hand into the wound in his side. 
Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into my wound in my side. Do not be faithless any longer. Believe. The Lord my God, Thomas exclaimed. And then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That's us, those of us that haven't seen him. We are blessed when we believe having not seen him. But I think it's our human nature to doubt and to need this proof that God is who he says he is because, see, our human minds, we can't fathom an all-knowing God and we can't fathom the works that he's doing because his ways are so much higher than our ways. So if you're doubting right now that God is going to begin to speak to you, I just want to warn you that you're about to get his attention. He's about to show up to you and say, here you go. Here's the wounds that I took for you. Here's what I've been through for you. Now, will you join this conversation? And I just, I want to publicly speak against a spirit of doubt, against a spirit of um, fear that might be in your heart as you've looked around and you've started to see the move of God and the things that God is doing and people around you and you've wanted to resist it. I just, I speak against that and I want to speak faith over you. I believe that Jesus is about to let your faith rise and it's going to be a really beautiful thing. Because God does speak to his children. So we're going to liken the voice of God um, and the words he speaks to us as that of a parent and a child. Okay, so imagine if you would that you're a parent and you live in a home with your children and their entire lifetime you're just perfectly silent towards them. Like morning routine hits and the dad's running around trying to find the socks that are always disappearing and the mom is at the kitchen island trying to make school lunches and the kids think it's their full calling in life to like complete a marathon around the kitchen island running screaming about the marathon. Has anyone had a marathon happen around your kitchen island? Just kipping me? Lord, no island? Okay. So your kids are running and screaming and the parents are just perfectly silent? No. We engage with our kids, right? We communicate with them. We, we have this dialogue with them constantly. Sometimes we lovingly point out areas they need to grow in, and sometimes we tell them the things they're great at. Sometimes we help them discern what the next step is. And then sometimes we shout when the marathon around the island needs to end, right? Yeah. And that's the same way with God. He is speaking. He's not silent towards us. I think we simply as a church, we just need to learn to recognize the unique way that he speaks to us, to you as an individual. Because see, I have three kids and I speak to them some ways the same and then some ways differently because I know how they receive and how they learn. And God is the same way. So here we are in 2020. We're kicking off this new year with a series, Speak. And we're going to discover the voice of God, each one of you. None of you is going to be left out. And my hope and my prayer is that you would engage in the conversation that God has for you. Hebrews 1, 1 says, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. 
the sun radiates God's own glory and he expresses the very character of God and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command, by his voice, by speaking. So notice verse 2. It says, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. So God's word is clear. He is speaking. We're going to look at the ways God communicates with you. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to share my own experiences because I feel that most often the majority of us learn by examples, by stories, because we remember the point, right? We remember what was even, what was the point, what was going on. So um, I'm going to share what I've walked through over the last probably five years specifically about um, the prophetic in my own life. Okay. Now, I often share stories with you when I preach, um, and maybe it's because stories are really important to me, uh, but I also think that you'll retain it. So um, these stories, I hope, will help you see kind of a glimpse into the language God uses with me, and I'm going to teach you the ways that God confirms that it's his voice when he's talking to me. So on July 12th, the leadership team met for the first time at our new church building, which is coming. It's coming soon. So we're at 307 Oak Street in Peoria, and we had this simple time of worship where we just wanted to dedicate the space to God and connect as a team to just get vision for the new space. And during that time of worship, what felt like just out of the blue, God gave me a word for all of you. Now, I've sat on this word for six months because I didn't feel released to share it. And a couple weeks ago, God gave me the release to share it. And so I want you to really pay attention. This was important. He said this. He said, this is a new and a fresh season. A prophetic culture will grow here. I will speak to the church with increase to every willing heart. Now, it wasn't an audible voice. Like, the ground didn't shake. It didn't boom off the walls. It was like this overwhelmingly convincing thought that just hit me. And the song we were singing had nothing to do about any of those thoughts. And this is one way that I know God speaks to me. It's just this overwhelming knowing, knowing what he's about to do. So the strong thought, this impression that is not my own. And church, I believe God's word so fully. That word he gave me, I believe it so so fully. Because see, God, for the history of this church, has spoken really specific things, and then they've come to pass. And then he's spoken again, and it's come to pass. And so we've built this history with trusting God's voice. And that is why I believe this. So we have stepped forward into an increase of the prophetic and all of us hearing the voice of God here at Church 214. And I would ask you, don't freak out. The prophetic is not scary and it is not weird. If it is weird, it's probably not of God, okay? God's not weird. God is steady and stable, and um, the prophetic is actually biblical. So we're going to look at this throughout this series. We're going to talk about the ways God speaks to all of us, um, but throughout history, God has chosen people to share his thoughts with, to share his words with. And we're going to look at people in the Bible that he spoke to prophetically. I'm really excited. I was going to preach to you on Moses meeting in the tent of meeting with God. And then Isaac Schaefer stole that message and said he was going to share it. So I revamped. But um, this is good because I know this, is from, this word is from the Lord. So we've already seen in Hebrews 1 that God did speak through prophets and that he's speaking through Jesus now to all of us. 
So just 12 chapters later, we're going to look at Hebrews 13, 8. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if Jesus Christ was speaking to people then in Bible times, and he's the same God, that means he's speaking now. He's not changing. So the question that I, I want you to not get hung up on the question, if God speaks to you, I want us to ask the question, am I listening? Is my heart open to this concept that God would have dialogue with me? See, we all have the opportunity to be the one that he chooses to speak to. You know, it's, it wasn't just for Moses. It wasn't just for the heroes of the faith. It's not just for the people that get up here and preach. It's for all of us. Okay, now this next part, I, I desperately don't want this to come across harsh. So I'm asking you to hear this in love. I'm asking you to hear this um, with just give me a lot of grace here. I tried to be... Um, kind of like get around this in a really cautious way. And I just was like, if I'm cryptic, they're not going to get it. Many people feel God doesn't speak to you um, because you're simply too casual in your relationship with him. You're, um, you're wanting the maker of the universe to talk to somebody who is never spending any time with him, who's, who's never listening, who's never saying, God, what do you have for my life? God, God, what do you want me to do for other people's lives? It's a relationship with God in your mind is like attending on Sunday morning, which is great, but then that's it. And the people around you on Monday through Saturday wouldn't even know that you're a Christ follower because you're just so casual about it. And I want that to change for all of us. I want us to step into this increase of God's voice, because the reality is that your spouse being in God's word is no longer going to cut it. Your spouse spending time with Jesus to lead your family for you or perhaps over you, and you're not alongside them, it's no longer enough. You've got to get real with God, because he's trying to get real with you, but I think a lot of times we're doing this, and we pretend he's not there, because he Trying to not hear his voice is easier than leaning into his voice to go, God, you want me to do what? And then obeying it. So this laziness that has been around many people of their relationship with Jesus, it's got to change and it's got to change this year. This is a very important year in this time in history. God is moving and he is working and I want you to be a part of it. And that changes by you being equipped to know how he speaks to you. And that's what this series is about. And it changes by you getting into God's word. Do not be lazy about it anymore. If you need help figuring it out, see anyone in this front row, and we will help you figure out how to read God's word with consistency and how to understand it. It changes by you spending time in prayer, by you dialoguing and you listening, both. Okay, it changes by you getting into community with people who likewise want to pursue Jesus. And you leave the surface, surface conversations about the weather and your hobbies. Yeah, those are great. But you leave those and you talk about the things God's doing in your life, even if it causes you to be vulnerable. You talk about it and then you let your faith be built by those that are around you. God's word is full. It says you become like who you hang out with. A company of fools, you're going to become a fool. We've got to step in to this relationship with Jesus. And these are some of the ways we learn more about God's character. And I believe when we know about God's character is when our ears are open to actually hear 
his voice. I recently heard this scientific study come out. Man, I loved this so much because it's so true in my own life. It said that when people are consistently reading God's word at least four times a week, four times a week or more, they have this extreme clarity about their entire life and their whole sphere of influence is changed. They cannot explain why. I can because this is alive and active and it changes us, right? But I've experienced this. If I'm not in God's word or I'm like, hey, God, okay, word of the day, good, move on. I, am, I tend to get grumpy. I'm easily irritated. I do not have long suffering with most of you. But when I'm in God's word and I'm prioritizing it and I'm going, God, just speak to me. Like, show me what you want. The darkness around me doesn't usually change, but the light within me changes my perspective. And it gives me eyes to see the prophetic of what God is doing. So God does speak to us in different ways. He spoke so clearly to me at 307 Oak Street with this deep fear knowing what was coming. But I want to contrast this with God's voice speaking to my brother Isaac Bennett, who's on our leadership team, the exact same night, in the exact same place, at the exact same time, in a totally different way. So Isaac has just finished telling the leadership team about a conversation he had with his friend that day. And to his friend, he said, Jeremy, he said, God has used baseball throughout my whole life to show me that he loves me. And he's telling us this story, and I am not joking. You all can attest to this. He has just told the story when all of a sudden a baseball rolls through the garage door of 307 Oak Street, a foul ball from the Chief Stadium, and it rolls right into the door. Holy cow, right? I think that was Harry Carey who said that. Holy cow, when it comes to baseball. But the point is this, like, God's not messing around. God is going to get your attention. To me, a baseball rolling in would have not spoken of God's love and of God's character. But to Isaac, a baseball rolling in shouted, hey, Isaac, I love you. I think you're amazing. Here's a baseball. You know, and the interesting thing is to the batter, it was a foul ball. But to Isaac, it was a kiss from Jesus, right? The prophetic perspective, it's all around us. And in that place, in that dusty, neglected, dirty place, God showed up to us and his presence became so real in that place. And what I'm here to tell you is that he is up to something huge in that space for us. Some of you might feel like you're feeling a little resistant right now. You're maybe a little close-minded towards God's intentions. Or maybe you are the type that you kind of want to trust, but you also have the gift of chalking everything up to coincidence. Everything's just random. But see, life with Jesus, the life of faith, is not one part random, one part miraculous. It's just not. It is all ordained and orchestrated by the Heavenly Father. I believe the Father is intentional towards every one of us. And that's why a foul ball says to Isaac, Jesus loves you. And that's why he uses things like strong feelings and then a confirmation to show me that he's speaking. 
So I had just written that part of my message two weeks ago. I had just written it. I'm up in the office. I'm ignoring the marathon around my kitchen island because Kip was in charge. And um, no, you're a great dad. I, I was just, I knew you had it. I knew you had it covered. So um, I just sat back and I felt God say, give the word now. And I was like, oh, shoot, I didn't mentally prepare for this. But um, I just said, you know, Father, I'm going to write this out. But if I'm really supposed to give this word right now about your voice increasing to us, can you just um, show me that it's the right timing? Now, I didn't text anyone or Marco Polo anyone or post it on Twitter, nothing. I just asked Jesus, and I'm not joking, when about three minutes later, my phone chimed. And it was my friend, Michaela Crowey who is in Colorado, and she said, hey, read Amos 3.7. Now, because I was spending time with God preparing to preach to you, I thought, well, I'm going to ignore that for now because that's probably not helpful right now. And I felt God say, oh, really? You just asked for a sign. Oh, right. So I opened Amos 3.7, and it says this, Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. So there I am asking God, are they ready to hear this word? Is it the right time? A word that came six months ago. Hey, God, give me a sign about 307 Oak Street. And Michaela Tech saying, read Amos 307, which says that plans are revealed to prophets first. And God used it to confirm what he was about to do. So you might be thinking, OK, great, you hear God's voice. Why do you ask for confirmation if you're so sure it's his voice? That's a great question. I think of it this way. Gideon, in the book of Judges, said this of God. He had just had this whole dialogue with God. And then he says, show me a sign that it is really the Lord speaking to me. So I figure if Gideon can ask, I can ask. And I also think, like, if I was ever going to start mountain climbing, I would invest in a harness which I don't want to mountain climb. That sounds like a lot of work to me. But I would invest in a harness as I practice to learn climbing. No, no offense against the climbing gym. I think it's awesome. I like to watch people climb. Um, but when I become proficient at climbing, I would actually still use the harness because a misstep on the mountain could be devastating, right? And it's the same with prophecy. So I know I'm called to the prophetic, but I know first that I'm a student of Christ's ways, just like you are. And so as we're learning about the prophetic, as we're learning about the voice of God, we, we stay under the protection of God's word, and we ask God for signs. Like, God, show me this is your voice. Because for me, I cannot afford to have my thoughts or my ideas given to somebody if God's character is attached to it if it's not from the Lord. Okay, so I use the confirmation as my harness, if you will. And that's why six months has passed before I brought you the word that God gave you for Oak Street. So if the confirmation doesn't come, I don't give the word. It's just that simple. But church, there is this prophetic culture that's being raised up in Peoria, Illinois, and I believe fully that 214 is supposed to be very instrumental in what God is doing. I think that the last five years has been beautiful and incredible. I think that it is going to pale in comparison to what he's about to do. So in 20 forward, I believe the God, the, the Father is going to speak life over you, over every one of you. 
He's going to speak growth to you. I think to some of you, he's going to speak forgiveness over you. For some of you, he's going to speak movement. For some, he's going to speak joy. I believe he's going to speak redemption to some of you. To some of you, he's going to resurrect you. For some, he's going to speak fruitfulness. Your life is about to increase. And to some, he's going to speak love through a baseball or a strong impression, whatever your fancy is. But I believe he is going to speak prophetically through this church. And I want you to be a part of it. See, God is creating a physical move for us to 307 Oak Street, but he has also been creating a move in the spiritual realm that is going to rock our worlds. Two weeks ago, we got a glimpse of it. Chris Tabes was preaching. I love it when Chris preaches because um, he is so passionate and he's not afraid to get up here and be real with us and cry in front of us and just go for it. But Chris was preaching, and if you missed it, you've got to listen to the podcast. But he challenged us that we've got to lean into the heart of God. And he used the story of David, where David danced before God. And he also talked about Michael, David's wife, who actually missed out fully on the move of God that was right in front of her because she was so caught up in pride and concern about what the people watching would think of David and therefore probably think of her right? And she fully missed out on what God was doing. But that day, two weeks ago in this place, it was so powerful. There were generational strongholds that literally fell off of people. There were addictions to sin that were broken off. It wasn't weird, but the move of God in this place was so palpable. And I think a few were even in this place and you were so worried about what the people around you would think if you actually stepped into what you knew God was doing and you even felt what God was doing, but you didn't want to look foolish. And so you just stayed in your quiet little space. And I want to encourage you, you cannot afford to miss out on what God is about to do at 214. He's calling you to be an integral part of it. Some of you might be newer in faith and you're like, this all seems frightening. I have uh, the God of the universe speaking to me. And then others of you have claimed to know God for like 33 years, and you're still like, oh. I think that if we're children of God, we have to expect that he speaks to us. Even if you're not a parent, can you imagine? You would never go through all of life without one word of communication to your children ever. So if you're feeling uncomfortable, if you're feeling that urge to kind of like strong arm the conversation, you've seen God starting to move and it makes you uncomfortable, just be prepared because God's about ready to get your attention. And I also think that when we have this hardening of our heart towards the ways of God, we've got to be very cautious because that is not the Holy Spirit, that's fear of man. And so the enemy uses fear of man to keep us outside of what God's doing. And I would, call, I would challenge you, if your heart is hardening in this season of your life towards the thought of God speaking to you, you need to read over your own life, Ezekiel, Ezekiel 36, 26. This is so powerful. It says, I will give you a new heart. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and I will give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Church, we desperately need tender hearts towards the voice of the Father. 
See, all of creation is around us, and it, was, it is testifying of the fact that his voice spoke it into existence, right? So every single plant and tree and body of water, every single bird, every human being shouts of the fact that God created it. And it says in the Bible that even the very rocks can hear his voice. This is biblical. Let me show you. Joshua 24, Joshua is speaking to all the tribes of Israel, and he's reminding them. He's saying, like, God's about ready to renew his covenant with him, with, with us, his people, and he's reminding them of the things that God has done for their ancestors, the miraculous. He says in verse 14, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly because of what he's done. And then Joshua reminds them, hey, don't get distracted. Don't be distracted by the false gods. Don't be distracted by the idols. And he says, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Verse 17, he performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. And in verse 21, the people respond, we will serve the Lord. And so they make this covenant with God. And Joshua literally rolls in a huge stone in their midst so that they could remember that they have made this covenant with God. And here's what I want us to see. Joshua 24, 27, Joshua said to all the people, this stone has heard everything the Lord said to us. It will be a witness to testify against you if you go back on your word to God. So church, if the stone can hear the voice of God and testify that he is speaking, I believe you can too. So today we are going to remove every stony, stubborn heart in this entire place. If you're listening on the podcast, this is for you. And we're going to say, Jesus, give us tender, responsive hearts. Open our ears to let us hear what you're doing because we cannot miss this move. He's asking you to join the conversation. He's asking to pull you in on it. And I don't want to be a person that lets a rock testify about the voice of God in my place. I think many of us want to hear from God, but we actually think that if it's not a literal voice, that God is being silent towards us. But could it be, let's ask this, could it be that he's already talking and we just haven't discovered how he uniquely speaks to us? I believe it could. I believe the heart of the Lord is to communicate with his children, and he wants you to partner with him in understanding how you're wired to receive from him. You could call this a prophetic personality, the way you're wired to hear God's voice. Meaning, if we know God's character from the things I've spoken of, prayer, reading God's word, being with people who know God, if we begin to know God's character, we um, are going to be more likely to partner with the words he's speaking over us. And we're going to be more likely to be able to discern his voice. But in order to listen to God's voice, we've got to identify, what does it sound like to me, God? Because remember, a baseball doesn't speak love to me, but your strong impression does. So we've got to figure out, how does God speak? And I believe that God communicates in countless ways, but I think there's four ways that he uses the prophetic, the prophetic language, if you will, to speak to us. And I think you probably fall into one of these categories. The hearer, you hear God's voice in words whether that's in print or podcast or God's word comes alive to you, you, you hear God's voice through words. The seer, you see in pictures, you have dreams that are from God, you experience visions that are from God. The knowers, you just know in your mind what is true. You just know what's about to come. 
and the feelers. You feel and you experience the emotions of God. So just ask yourself right now, immediately, do any of these connect with me? Do I think that in my own wiring, this is my prophetic personality? Now we're going to glance pretty briefly at some of the strengths and some of the weaknesses of each one of these four categories. Um, I think a lot of times we can see the strengths and go, oh, I don't know which one am I. And then we look at the weaknesses and we're like, yep, that's me. So let's just be open to this, okay? Number one is the hearer. Hearers freely hear God speaking. They typically learn by listening. The voice of God changes everything. They have a deep history of hearing from God. Hearers seem to have a direct line to what God is speaking, experiencing his voice in an unprecedented way. They often have unhindered confidence in what God says because they hear it so clearly. So God designs hearers to connect with the big picture, and they often value stories. Hearers grow when they write down what they hear and they observe how God brings it to fruition over time. God desires the hearer to value what they hear, but also to be firmly planted in the timeless truth of his word. So here are some strengths of the hearer. They tend to work independently, and they keep the word they hear. They keep true to it. And they hear God in a unique way that maybe the rest of us might not hear. And they can point to a moment of hearing which grounds their confidence in the voice of God. Here are some weaknesses of the hearer. Sometimes they don't see the details of the big picture. They're so focused on the big that they forget about the things that need to happen in between. They can tend to cloud the message with the messenger. And they can have an independence and a lack of team thinking. How do you grow as a hearer? You grow when you document what you hear God say. And then throughout the day, you say things like, speak to me, God, I'm listening. That's biblical. Samuel did that. And then you don't force what you are hearing on other people. You can share, and then if they come back for more, you can ask God for more clarity to then figure out what it is he's trying to say. So that's the hearer. The seer is, they're the dreamers. You, you know one of these. They're the dreamers. They see clear pictures from God, what he's doing and what's going on. They have the ability to see the way it should be. They get visions that tend to encompass their passion. Seers are visionaries who thrive in dreaming and being strategic. Though all gifts are designed to build our confidence in God, the seers are filled with faith when they encounter a picture from him. It is healthy for a seer to write down what they say so they can pray in hopeful expectation as they wait on God. That's a theme for all of these things, is writing down what God is saying. Seers also frequently dream dreams from the Lord. We ask our kids every morning, did you have any dreams? Because I feel like at some point we're going to begin to discern the way God speaks to them, and it might be through dreams, so we know those could be important. Some of the strengths of the seer is that they can see beyond what most people see. They are entrusted with really big dreams, and they have a lot of faith and longevity with what God has said. Some of their weaknesses are that they can have a hard time relating to those that don't see. They can grow weary and disillusioned when the big picture is not coming about in the time they thought it should, and they can kind of have a hard time valuing the day-to-day because -day they just see the big picture. So how do you grow as a seeder? Write the vision. Identify priorities and core values to get to the vision, and be accountable for your visions and how you move forward in it. Number three, the knower. Knowers are intuitive. 
God communicates through their strong sense. Often they are interrupted by just divine thoughts that feel like they're out of the blue. They have the ability to discern the outcome. Knowers are content in who God is because they experience deep knowledge and understand and an understanding of who he is through their intuition. Believing God's truth ultimately leads the knower to perfect peace. Their strengths are the ability to push through obvious barriers. They are commonly right about the way something is going to turn out. And once they encounter the truth of God, little will stop them. The weaknesses of the knower is not valuing those who hear differently. Overvaluing their knowing sense and leaving others behind because of it and missing when God changes direction. So you grow as a knower by not believing the lie that you're not spiritual. That because what feels like God speaking is just what feels like a thought, you grow by not believing that lie. Trust your gut and you build a history with God. If God spoke it and it came to be, okay, that was the voice of God. And then learn to articulate what you're sensing. That's the knower. The feeler, finally, they're the heart in the room, okay? They feel God's emotions in an unprecedented way. They could walk into a space and go, oh, wow, I really feel the presence of God here. And you're next to him like, dude, you are crazy. You're weird. That's the feeler. But they have emotions that are signaling what is going on. Feelers can sense what's going on in a physical environment. Feelers connect deeply with the emotions of God, and they process life through what they feel. God designed feelers to sense and shift the atmospheres around them. Feelers often have a gift of intercession as a response to the emotions that they are experiencing. Emotions can affect us physically, emotionally, and spiritually as feelers. When hard seasons come, God empowers feelers to stand firm on his joy, even in the midst of trials. You know, sometimes people have trials and they're like melting down. They're probably not the feeler. The strengths of the feeler is that they experience God's emotions. That's pretty cool. They can pick up on spiritual moments that some of us would otherwise just miss or blow past. And they have these powerful encounters with God's word. Their weaknesses, though, is that they can have a real difficulty functioning when something doesn't feel right. They can overvalue what they feel and therefore leave others behind. They can undervalue feelings at times and dismiss it and not recognize that God is in it. So how do we grow as a feeler? Anchor yourself in who God is. Anchor yourself in the word of God. Because if you feel something and it doesn't line up with scripture, that is not from God. Ask God, why am I feeling this way? Give me clarity, God. And then pray until there's joy, no matter what the circumstance is. And then you grow as a feeler by celebrating positive moments. So this is a lot to take in, these four areas. And I don't expect you to walk out going, I'm a feeler. Yep, I know exactly what I am. I'm a knower. But I want you to begin to ask God, God, would you speak to me over the course of this series? And would you show me the way that I am most uni uniquely wired to hear from you? Would you begin to reveal that to me? Because I believe this year, God is going to work through every single one of you. And if you're sitting there and you're going, yeah, probably not through me, he's probably going to start with you. Okay? I believe this is going to be a very important and powerful year for Church 214 and what God is doing. 
So I want to remember these quick bullet points when we talk about the prophetic personalities and hearing from God. Our prophetic personalities do not define us. They're not meant to be a crutch, like, well, I heard from God, and therefore you're wrong, so you're the idiot. Let's move on. That's not how this works. They don't define us, but they do express God in us in a unique way. The enemy wants to bring confusion, but the Lord intends to unify believers through the prophetic. So if you're in a situation and there's just a lot of confusion and a lack of clarity, one, you probably need to communicate with the people around you to get clarity, and then you also need to ask, God, are you in this? Growing in relationship with God is the surest way to grow in your prophetic gifting. It all starts and ends with the relationship with God. If you're not hearing God's voice, you are probably the number one person at fault. You need to spend time with him. The word of God is our primary filter for discerning the prophetic. Always go back to God's word. So for me personally, right now anyway, the primary way he's speaking to me is as a knower. I read this about the knower, that they have these light bulb moments where they will go about their day and suddenly something just clicks. They just know in their spiritual gut that God is speaking and they respond to him. The knower oftentimes thinks, I don't know how or why, but I somehow just know what God wants in this situation. And I relate. I have this strong knowing sense of what God is doing and how he's leading and what it's going to look like. But it's because I have built this history with God where when God's given me a word, I ask for confirmation, I, I have that harness, I, I take it to God's word to make sure that it's correct. Sometimes I have dialogue with people that also I know are able to hear from God, and I make sure it's correct in the situation. And then when God's word comes to be, it builds my faith and my confidence in, yeah, that was God's voice, so that I have a history of that. And specifically regarding this church, I'm going to share a couple quick examples. We're going to rush on here, but many of you have heard this story about this church starting, but I feel like it's really important for those of you that haven't heard it. And for those of you that have, it's sort of like Joshua rolling in the stone going, hey, remember what God did? Okay, we're on the same page. Good. Awesome. So five years ago, I had a brand new baby and God woke me up like that in the middle of the night. Baby's sound asleep. God's waking me up sort of annoying, to be honest. I'm sorry, Lord. Um, and I just have this strong knowing, and God said, you're going to be part of starting a church. Oh, gosh, God, that's really poor timing. I don't know how I feel about that. And I went back to sleep. And three times over the course of just like an hour and a half, God woke me up, and I had the same exact knowing and it wasn't an audible voice, but it may as well have been because it would wake me up so quickly and it would be so strong. And I finally realized, okay, this is God speaking. I better engage in this because um, I have some questions and I have some concerns and I have some fears. And so um, I decided to just ask a question. Okay, God, if this is your voice, um, tell me this, who would lead the church? And clear as day, he said, Chris Taves will lead it. And so the next morning, I woke up, and of course, I told nobody about what God had coming because I was a little freaked out. I didn't tell Kip. I didn't tell Heather. I for sure didn't tell Chris Taves. Like, hey, man, you travel around the world? God wants you to start a church. Doesn't that sound like fun? But I did ask God quite a few questions 
and I told him a whole bunch of fears, and I reminded him of the timing, like, hey, God, I have a brand new baby. Like, are we still going with this? We're going with this. Okay. And 48 hours later, Chris and Heather show up at my door. They're leaving on a trip, and they said, hey, we sort of need to talk to you. You might want to sit down. We think God's told us that we're supposed to start a church. And I just looked at them, and I said, I know. God woke me up Thursday morning and told me we're starting a church. And I think we all started to shake a little bit. I know I did. I said, okay, Chris, you need to sit down now. There's more. God told me you're starting the church. You're going to lead it. And he started to cry, which I know none of you can imagine. Um, (laughs) And he said, I know. God told me the same thing. And so just like a handful of weeks, I don't remember the time frame, a handful of weeks later, the cool thing is God had spoken to other people on the team that would make up the leadership team of this church. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just Chris and Heather. God had spoken and confirmed his voice to various people. And just a few weeks later, this church was birthed. So God has spoken to me over time about this church and it's come to be. I mean, look around, you're proof. But before being awakened that morning, I would have never, ever, ever, ever thought I would start a church again because I'd helped do two and I was sort of weary. And I'll be honest, I was a tiny bit disillusioned. And I still was super devoted to Jesus and like, you are the way and the truth. But man, the church is hurtful right this second. And that's the time he asked me to sacrificially step into the ring. Now, I want you to fast forward to this past summer. I'm in my house doing a really glamorous job of cleaning my toilets with a cleaning brush. Chris, I think you had an experience this morning like that, cleaning some toilets, when God clearly spoke to me and he said, I'm about to release a building to you. I was like, okay, what am I going to do with said building? And I was like, oh, yeah, for the church, not, not for my toilets. <laughs> so I just text a few of the leaders, and I'm like, hey, God just told me he's about to release a building for me, to, to us. He, he told me, but it's for us. And Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was the next day or within the week. Was it the next day? day. One day. One day later, Steve Lehman texts Isaac Bennett and he said, hey, man, I just saw a commercial property. I really feel like you're supposed to see it for the church. And Isaac's like, OMG. I I mean, I don't know what he said, but that's probably what I would have said. So they go through the building and within weeks, Steve, weeks, we are in the offer process for 307 Oak Street. We had not talked about buying a building up to that moment. So I'm sharing those examples with you as uh, examples of being a knower, where God just gives this strong impression. It feels like it's out of the blue. It feels random. You're cleaning toilets. You're buying a building. Okay, God, that's how he speaks to me in this season. And so I have trusted God's voice when he says that he's about to increase his voice to all of you, because I've experienced it, and I know it. And it is so good. So please don't sit in doubt that he can do it. Maybe you've never experienced it. That's okay. We can help you in this journey of figuring out how God speaks to you. I think the way God speaks to you is not what's most important. I think what's most important is that he is communicating and you are listening. 
And I think that also we can gain um, ways that he speaks to us as we get close to him, as we let our ears be open to more and more ways which he speaks. Because for me, it's not just through knowing. Sometimes I have a dream that I know is prophetic. Sometimes I walk into an atmosphere and I'm like, oh, wow, man, this person is really oppressed. And I, I'm supposed to help love on them and speak life over them. So there's different ways. But I think, you know, just like think of the way you learn in school or in your workplace. How do you best learn? Are you a visual learner? Do you, do you learn by hearing? Do you learn by reading? How do you best learn? God is so intentional to speak to you in the way you best learn. Okay, and I don't think that it's any different for us when it comes to the voice of God. As my friend Marjan sitting here speaks Farsi as her first language, and I go into her home and she's speaking Farsi to her kids, and I say, what did you say? Because whatever you said worked. And that's her primary language. But she also speaks other languages because she has spent time around other languages. She is pressed in to learning other languages and other cultures. And I think it's the same with God's voice. As we go, God, I think I'm a feeler, or I think I'm a hearer, but God, would you show me, would you let me be a seer? Would you let me know what you're doing? I think we can grow in our prophetic personality and allow God to speak to us through multiple ways, through rocks and through baseballs and through knowing. John 10, 27 says, My sheep... Listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. You might be sitting here, and this might feel very foreign to you because you haven't even stepped into a relationship with Jesus yet, and it's very simple. It says, my sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You go, Jesus, I want to follow you. Forgive me of the ways I've lived my own life for myself, for the sins I've set in. Wash me clean. And you step into a relationship with him. And then you surround yourself with people that believe in Jesus. And you get to know him like that. Jesus told us we would hear his voice. Jesus told us we would follow him. Sometimes following him when it feels very uncomfortable is the most important timing. Jesus doesn't speak promises that he does not fulfill. And so my prayer over you today is, God, would you show every person exactly how you want to speak to them right now in this season, even if it's different than how you spoke to them in the past. God's language is not for a few. It's for all of us. We are all desperate for the voice of God over our lives. And so in this season where God's moving us as a church, please don't get hung up on if God speaks to you. I want you to say, God, how do you speak to me? Because God is always speaking. He never hides his voice from us. If he has a message for you, he's going to find a way to get it through to you. We will know his voice when we spend time with him. And similarly, we will miss God if we are not around him. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you about your life. He does. 
He cares so much. And God has a personality, and I believe he wants to reveal himself to each of you in different ways through different avenues of speaking to you. And because I've experienced it, I very much don't want you to miss it. Will you pray with me? God, your voice is our very life, oh God. So will you open our hearts and our minds? God, will you just give us ears to know your voice and to discern you? God, would you give us uh, the unique understanding of how you've wired us? God, I pray that this week you would begin to just show people that they would have these moments where they go, wow, man, I must be a seer. Or, wow, I think I'm a knower. I think the knowers in the room probably could relate to what I was saying, and the, the seers in the room were probably like, oh, my word, she's off her rocker. But, God, I just am I'm thanking you for the move that you're doing here. I thank you for the physical move of Oak Street, and I thank you for the spiritual move. God, we don't want to miss you. We do not want to miss out on what you're doing in our time in history. We desperately want to be the people that trust you at your word. And God, we refuse to let the rocks testify in our place. We refuse it because our voices will be the loudest and the boldest and the ones filled with the most trust because we know you're who you say you are because we've experienced the character of you. So God, I pray that you would give everyone this great boldness to lean into you this week, that no spirit of of distraction or confusion or disillusionment would keep anyone from your heart, but that you would pull each one of us in and you would show us this, my child, is how I speak to you right now. And then let us listen, God, with bold intention that we will move forward in whatever you say. Jesus, whatever you're up to, we, we're in. We went in. Holy Spirit, I feel like this year is going to be really important for some people. Not just for them, but for the generations that come behind them. And so, God, whatever you're doing there, would you begin to reveal those plans to those people? Open their eyes. Let them trust you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for being with us today. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Hey, church, the sound guy is going to run his own mic, so this, this could be interesting. Can you hear me okay? Okay, great. Um, as Heidi was preaching, um, she had shared that, that there's a lot of different ways, four different ways that we can hear from God. And, and as she was sharing, uh, two things came to mind. The first is, is that there's some of you in this room that are, you're right on the fence, and you're, you're concerned about what it means if there is a God that speaks personally to you. It opens a whole new door that you have to deal with when you accept the fact that there's a God that wants a relationship with you, that wants to speak to you, that wants to reach down and be involved in the details of your life. And secondly, it, he, he gave me a picture. And see, Heidi's a knower. 
I'm a seer. He gives me pictures and dreams. And I've had this picture for a long time as we've kind of been wrestling with in, in coming to terms with the fact that God does speak to us. And that picture is this. This dates me a little bit. So if you're younger, this may not, this may not resonate with you. But if you remember the old school radios, right, in the car, where you would dial back and forth to find the station that you wanted. And before you found the station you wanted, it would be white noise. And then for like a split second, you would hear the station that you were trying to dial in on. And then you'd go past it, and you're like, oh, there it was. And then you'd go back. And you'd go back and forth, back and forth, until you found that sweet spot where the song came through just the way it was supposed to. That's the way God speaks to us. And you are experiencing, or maybe you have experienced, where you're like, yeah, I think God has spoke to me before. I think I've heard from him. I think he's said something to me, but it was just like a, a quick little, you went past the station, and you haven't quite figured out how to get back on the station. And the other thing is that as we move through life, just like in your car, as you went down the road, sometimes that station would start to get distant. You'd have to tweak that dial a little bit to get back narrowed in on the station. So I just wanted to share that picture with you that there's some of you sitting here today that you're like, man, I feel like God's spoken to me before, but it's past and I don't know quite how to get back there. You just got to, as Heidi said, you got to be in the word. You got to be opening yourself up and dialing yourself into that station so that you become consistent and you hear it more and more frequent. So I just wanted to share that with you. I don't know if that speaks to anybody here today. As Heidi um, had shared before, if you need guidance on that, if you want feedback, if you want to know more about how to dial into what God's speaking into your life, find anybody on this front row. Our team would love to connect with you and share more about that. So that's all I had.